Hey, what's up? It's Dr. Josh. And I know you've heard me talk about Clinic Gym Connect, but the power of Clinic Gym Connect is really well demonstrated in following up with patients who already know, like, and trust you. So here's two users, Dr. Carson Ani from Capital Sports Medicine and his office manager, Mark, talking about how you can use Clinic Gym Connect to follow up with your very interested, very warm clients. It's always hard to bring in new people and it's just easier to talk with the people that already know, like, and trust you. And so once we figured out that Clinic Gym Connect was a software that can really help with that, I took Mark through all the trainings and said, have at it. I wanted to contact the most recent patients that have been in. Dr. Carson showed me Clinic Gym Connect. All it was, I would go to the patient list, run a report from our EHR, tag them as a 30, 60, 90 patient. They open our dialer, send them a custom text, sends their name automatically. If they respond, great. If not, shoot them a call and had a nice voicemail feature that I could just click. And it saved me for every 50 patients, which would normally take me a few hours. I could get that done in 45 minutes. It was a personal touch that they weren't used to. And it didn't take a lot of effort on our end at all. That's how easy it is. And you can see that the 30, 60, 90 campaign is super powerful. And get this, it's already in your account when you sign up for Clinic Gym Connect. So if you're interested in following up with those patients who know, like, and trust you, and you want to do it at intervals like 30 days, 60 days, and 90 days, check out clinicgymconnect.com. Are you a chiropractor or physical therapist that believes in exercise, wants to make some money, and wants to provide the absolute best care for your patients? Well, then you are in the right place. I'm Dr. Josh Satterley, and this is Clinic Gym Radio, where we talk about the Clinic Gym hybrid model, which is combining the best parts of healthcare with active care and fantastic exercise programs to get patients the best care they can while helping you make more money in this game. This is Clinic Gym Radio, and I'm Dr. Josh Satterley. I'm excited for you to be here. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I am your host, as always, Dr. Josh Satterley. And today, it's an exciting day for me to be joined by Dr. Cam Galampour out there in Tampa, Florida. Cam, how are you, buddy? I'm fantastic. It's Friday and three-day weekend, ready to go. There you go. So we're recording this just before the lovely Memorial Day weekend. And Cam, it, I think this is super exciting because you were a member of the Clinic Gym Hybrid Facebook group uh, many moons ago when you were, there you were, just a young, uh, a young Cairo student, a young lad in search of direction, in search of his future. And you certainly yeah. seem to have found it and made the most of it, man. So can you take everybody through your journey of how long you've been in practice and kind of where you went to school? Let's start where you went to school, how it went, and then how long you've been in practice. Yeah, absolutely. So I graduated from March, 2020. So it was, sorry. I screwed that up, Cam. Okay. I, I hit pause and I meant to hit mute. So we're going to have to go back. Imagine I asked that question again and you ready? That's okay. Just start yep. your answer over right now. So I graduated from Palmer, Florida. Uh, I was fortunate enough to graduate March 2020, the week everything shut down. So heck of a time to graduate. And it was quite a journey. I actually came back from my six-month hospital rotation in the middle of uh, nowhere, northern Minnesota, in quarantine to quarantine. So That's funny. Nice. And then where did you end up? So I you graduated. What did you do that moment? Uh, well, in the, in the moment of graduation, I was supposed to have an office out of a CrossFit gym. The oscillation hit the, or the defecation hit the oscillation. You get what I'm saying? And the gym shut down. Just bounced around from job to job, trying to figure out where I was going to open my practice and was fortunate enough to open in Tampa and one in Pinellas Park or St. Pete, Florida, uh, around end of September, beginning October, March 20, or uh, October, 2020. So for a timeline, you were in school, you graduated, let's say end of March, April, mm -hmm. and you bounced around and the problem was a lot of practices were closed. Gyms certainly weren't looking at growing at that time or adding things, you basically started your practice, you said at the end of September, early October of 2020? Yeah, we tried to do the mobile thing, but unfortunately yeah. that uh, there was no hits or anything with that. And, you know, at least tried, but did what we could to try and maintain yeah. work for the time being, but never gave up. Nice. And are you from that area originally? Did you return back to like your hometown essentially or? Uh, I'm born and raised from Clearwater. So Tampa's not too far. St. Pete's not too far. So 
general region, but not definitely your hometown. So you weren't going back to yes. a place that where everybody knew your name. Exactly. Okay. I think a lot of people always wonder that, like, oh, if I go to a new city, no one knows me and I'm going to have a tough time. But uh, you, you got it done. Congratulations. I love your persistence. So let's talk about this. I, I know from the questions you would ask me over those years and everything, you, for, for those people listening, you had a history as a trainer, strength coach, right? It, and that's what took you into chiropractic college and now kind of what's influencing beyond. Yes, sir. So yeah, you already knew that knowledge. And I knew from your questions, you had a lot of plans. You had a lot of, uh, you were planning a lot. You were strategizing, you're doing all this stuff. And then not only did you have the reality of starting a new practice in a new area and all cha- all plans change when that happens, but then you mixed yeah. in the, co- the, all the COVID lockdowns, restrictions, questions, anxiety on behalf of patients who d- maybe don't want to start with a new provider because they're like, uh, I'm just, you know, worried all those things happen. Yeah. So in those first months from say September to December 31st of that year, just to the end of the year. What was the most surprising lessons that you learned along the way? Give us maybe a couple. The most surprising lessons is you are your worst enemy in regards to building your own practice. You may think you are working as hard as you can and doing everything you can, but when you have someone take a outside perspective and take a look at what you're doing, it was uh, nice to kind of hear like, oh yeah, I should be doing this, doing that. Um, As well as, it's in regards to reaching out and connecting with people. It's not as scary as you think. I was ruthless trying to find a space. And that's actually how I found Nicole, the trainer I'm with was I said, screw it. I'm not going to try and find a space or rent. I am going to try and build my own gym, gym clinic hybrid. Like that was the goal. And I reached out saying, Hey, I just want to come in and ask you questions about building a facility costs, what it takes, all of that. And she's like, I actually have a room in here if you want to come in and we can sort of split things and work it out from there. So so she was like, I'll tell you how to build one. You shake hands with me and boom, you've got a gym overnight. <laughs> yeah. And well, the, again, the surprising thing, uh, well, one thing definitely people don't realize being in a facility like this is the costs of equipment, maintaining things break, especially when you work with teenagers, they break things all the time. Um, plumbing, all different costs that you would never think of. And everyone wants the gym until it's okay. Time to put the money down and they see the cost of all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's always funny too. It's like, Oh, we just need a few more bumpers. It's just this. And it's like, I don't know if you've had this experience, but when we had like seven different trainers, every one of them in a month time asked me for something quote unquote small. It's like, yeah, it's small times seven. (laughs) It's like a, you know, it's a house payment. Yeah. You're like, dude, I don't want to spend $3,000 on equipment this month and, and satisfy all of you. Like, let's strategically do this. So I'm, I'm no, glad you, you learned that. Now, early on, what did you think the business model would be? And, and what is the business model today? Do you, do you get revenue from the gym or you strictly operate a clinic that also has access to the gym, but not necessarily a portion of the yeah. services or memberships? So... Yes and no. So in the facility, so Nicole, the, the facility everyone sees on social media is the facility in Tampa. And then I'm out of a powerlifting gym in the St. Pete office. But the sports performance facility. And for our Tampa, knowledge, how far apart are those two cities? I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's about 40 minutes. Um, okay. So 40 minutes apart. And with that, it's she owns the place. I have my space. She has hers. And she does all the training. And then of course I do all the care, but one of the big things with her is for her to have an athlete start with her, they have to get assessed by me using the kineticense mm. and the cams screening, yeah. not named after me, unfortunately, but as well as yet, I try keep at it. Yeah. Right. And then, um, I do my Frankenstein version of SFMA and on base U assessing to mm. try and objectify uh, a lot of the movement. And then they cannot start training, whether pro athlete or brand new, you know, 13 year old getting into strength training, unless they come through me first. Um, okay. So I do get a portion from that, but in regards to training, that is all her. And then of course I do mm-hmm. all the care and rehab, but it's also great to 
yeah. bounce back and forth and say, you know, I'm very good about hyping her up. Look, your son is going to keep getting hurt unless he gets strong. So you really need to start training with her and or training in general. Yeah. And then same thing yeah. with me. If she has an athlete that is constantly complaining about something, hey, you really need to go see him. So Yeah. I think that can be a perfectly legitimate symbiotic relationship, you know, and I'm I'm obviously a big supporter of having a clinic that you bolt a gym onto, but you know, she, that doesn't always work out. And certainly five minutes out of school, like you were, the chances of you being able to afford all of that overhead immediately and build two businesses at once is it's unlikely, right? So the smartest thing, I think you did the smartest thing you could do, which is like, let me get the clinic going and get it on its feet. And, you know, but who knows what the opportunities you'll have are in five years, right? Like yeah. they're going to be huge after you've worked with all these athletes. So that that's exciting. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people that started with a room. And I mean, Kevin Christie, I always use him as an example, started with a too. room and a gym and very similar start to yours. And now he owns a, a huge office and he owns it outright. He owns the real estate outright. And it's fantastic. So it's, uh, you know, always got to start somewhere. So definitely a lot a of people. Of oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? I was just going to definitely a heck of a journey. I mean, I was working four jobs for six months while I was building everything up and to be able to afford all that stuff. So, you know, seven days a mm -hmm. week for six months takes a toll, but you got a dream and you got to get after it. I'm very glad I, I never stopped that. So, yeah, man. And it makes it a whole lot sweeter now that you just get to do one job, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, uh, going back. So, so, I think it'd be good for everybody listening to uh, maybe check you out on Instagram and it's, uh, let's see your handle, your Instagram handles strength, spine, Cairo, right? Strength, yes, spine, sir. Cairo. One thing that I think you guys should all look at if nothing else is cam probably has the absolute best clinic uniform you've ever seen in your life. He gave up the white coat of, uh, student clinic for baseball jerseys and, and all sorts of stuff. I love how it's embroidered with your, the name of your company and your logo right now, you're just wearing a plain old black polo shirt, which, you know, I was hoping you'd wear the, Boring. yeah, the full on Jersey. But I think one of the great things is part of your marketing is, is being different, right? Being unique. It's not the same old place. It's not standardized. Talk to us a little bit about that. Like what made you decide that? Where'd you get the idea? What other things do you do that you feel are totally unique to other chiropractors practicing in, a, in this kind of blended model? Yeah, of course. And the inspiration, truthfully, uh, I've always been a kind of stick it to the man kind of person. And I'm not afraid to you know, stand up to the authority. And I never really wanted the white coat, suit and tie, as well as being in the setting. You know, I have to kind of dress yeah, just one fit either. You look at a place. Yeah. So being more, I, most of the time I dress like a father of four going golfing. But then when the idea of the baseball jersey, I read a book called Get Different by Mike Michalowicz because I loved uh, a lot of his writing. He's the one that wrote Profit First as well. So I read that book and the entire book is about being completely different. And the best analogy is we see commercials every day, but a commercial that almost everyone knows is the Frank's Red Hot Sauce commercial. The, I put that stuff on everything, but they don't say stuff and it's the old grandma, right? So I'm like, okay, how can I do that and apply that to social media, right? So I, for my birthday, I got a jersey with uh, my name on it and because I was it was the heat of the MLB offseason, was treating a lot of baseball guys and just thought it would look really cool. I was actually going to have them sign it and put it up at the wall. But then when I put it on, I was like, absolutely not. This is this is going to be a thing. And now I've got a home and an away jersey, maybe getting an alternate soon. Uh, my soon-to-be-announced associate, that was his gift, was a jersey with his name on it. And, you know, it's funny taking like, oh, doctor wearing a baseball jersey. Even my patients that are 60 plus, they absolutely love it. One even told me the other day I look more handsome in my jersey compared to my polo. So uh it's it's, awesome. know, it's a little unique and wherever i go grocery yeah. store or anything i get compliments on it i think it's fantastic and again check check them out at strength spine cairo on instagram because it it sells the model too it tells everybody like hey we treat athletes here we we do athlete stuff we always joke in the world of golf fitness like it has to feel golfish to people so if you're yeah. doing like 
if in another gym you're using a mobility stick, in a golf fitness facility, if you use a driver as a support implement, it feels more golfy, right? Has absolutely yeah. nothing to do with the care. Has <laughs> nothing has changed, but it's like oh, holding this golf club, it makes it so much more golfish. Yeah. So I, I I love that aspect. The other thing that I think is important for people to to learn from a business model, I get questions all the time about like, hey, how much space should I have? How much should be the clinic? How much should I have the gym? And you went into a facility that's already built out. But one thing I think you'll see in a lot of Cam's videos is the gym can be clinic space. Don't underestimate that. So if, if I were building a facility, I wouldn't go half and half. I would keep the private offices to a minimum because there is a time you need them. Like, yeah. I'd love for you to tell us who you move into the, the private office. But you have a table out on the floor and you treat, I don't know, on your videos, it seems like you treat 95% of the people out there. But take us through that. When do you use the private office? When do you use the gym floor? Do you think you could do 100% gym floor? Uh, you know, if somebody has no space or doesn't have any money to build walls, give us some perspective yeah. there. Of course. I mean, so yeah, I would say it's almost uh, probably 98 to 98% is in the open concept. 2% is in the closed doors. Um, and one of the biggest inspirations on that was not only when we moved into the bigger facility, there was no other option because I used to be only just in a room. Um, but also Eric Cressy has a solid article of why he would never have a uh, closed door treatment again. But for the few mm-hmm. times, so typically the process is the eval and the history is in the room because I don't have to scream while the guys are working out. Um, mm-hmm. as well as anytime it's more of a little bit of a personal issue, you know, if, if I got to get a little, uh, into the pant line or something with a sports bra or they don't have sports bra or they're not comfortable, that's when I bring them in. The room. So, and just to try and make it a little bit more comfortable for them, but very few times. And, you know, I'm, I'm surprised even most of the time where I'll just kind of expect someone to say they just want to be treated ent- entirely in the room and they like the setting. So they want to be treated out there. So they, they're like, oh, I don't care. You know, go ahead, do what you need to do. And I'll just watch everyone work out. Yeah, it's uh, I think it's people enjoy it a whole lot more. They like that exciting, lighter kind of feeling about it. I mean, nobody wants a I don't know anybody that wants the sterile doctor's office feel of you know, bad linoleum floor, old magazines and uh, beige upon beige, you know, with a little mauve. And that's from from the outside in, you can tell it is not going to be your conventional doctor's experience. And I will preface everyone beforehand in their email. You know, it has a, uh, again, the uh, outside is not the nicest looking. And then the second you walk in, it's like, wow, this is a hidden gem. So I've, you know, I always typically call the patients for, Hey, this is where it is. Don't be surprised. You're going to walk in through a door with a baseball sign on it and you'll understand why in a second. Well, let's, let's talk about that because I, again, you've made this successful cam. Um, Congratulations to you. But I think there's a lot of people out there thinking, Oh, I can't do it. Or my facility, the, the the place, you know, the place doesn't look good or it, or it's the, on the third floor of an office building. It's super cheap. And, you know, sometimes that's what you need to do to get up and going. But like Cressy's original place in Massachusetts was absolutely in the middle of nowhere, but he built a name for yeah. himself. Now the thing in Palm Beach is just spectacular, right? But uh, Mike Boyle's thing was a, a warehouse. CrossFit started in a warehouse space. Like all these things start in humble beginnings. Hell, Apple Computer started in a two-car garage, right? Yeah. So how have you counteracted that immediate feel? Because there is that... So you're dealing with a lot of professional athletes as well, right? That could get treated at the Exos facility and the and at Cressy's place or anything that they wanted, they could get. And yet they're coming to this uh, little, um, how would you say it, unassuming place when yeah. they pull up and you know they're pulling up in a Mercedes at a place that looks like a an '86 no, can. No, you could right? say, it. yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you could say. It. So the first, I'll let so you the say first it. spot, it's yeah, it's okay. That's okay. I mean, the first spot was, that's where Nicole was because someone had it and we took her, she had it and she had the space from the outside in. It was in a very bad area in Tampa. You're like, holy crap, I'm walking into a crack house. And there's a street in the Tampa area that is very well known for, uh, you know, very bad things. And that's where it was. And there was, we would have to fight homeless people, not fight, but they would try and come in all the time because it used to be the old shelter. So kind of 
the idea from outside, but the second everybody walked in, it was like, oh, okay, this is great. But at the end of the day, all they cared about was the experience. They loved it being in that setting as well as, you know, I try and really emphasize the patient experience and being personal and non-conventional setting and they really don't care. And yeah. I think it's Well, what are some things you do back. there? What are some things you do for the patient experience? Let's let's go first. The ones that don't cost any money or cost less than less than a dollar. So I'll give you an example of one that I was impressed with. There's a gym uh, that I know of. You walk in and they have a jar of hair ties for women on the front desk, like as you're walking in, you cannot miss them, right? And then every time it's all coached classes and they do four to six people. And so they have a water bottle that's, and they know if people want room temp or cold. So they have a water bottle, like I'm talking like a, um, what you would get by at Costco. I'm not, I'm not talking like yeah, a hard yeah. case water bottle, like a disposable water bottle you get out of any machine. But it has a mailing label on top and it has your name written, right? So it's like Cam, Josh, Steve, Stacy. And it's on there to show, hey, I set this one out for you. Like Cam, I, I know you like cold water and it's here. Josh, I know you like uh, room temp water and here it is. So you have that. And then there's also a stack of rolled up like hand towels or other washcloth size in case you get sweaty. So you can grab a hair, a hair tie if you need it. You can grab the water bottles for you and you can grab your uh, towel. And out of all those things, you know, which one's most popular hair tie, the, the, <laughs> the hair tie for women. And for guys, it's the name on the water bottle. And you think about it, like that's 25 cents, 10 cents. I don't know what they are from Costco. They're nothing. Right. Yeah. And that towels, which are the most expensive because you got to have the towels and you got to wash them and all that stuff are the least popular. But I love things like that where there's this very high sense of experience for a very low cost of rider. It's usually just time or effort, right? Yeah. Now, I know you said you prep everybody in the emails going out, all that stuff. Take us through that. That you And what have you found people really react to and appreciate? Yeah, I mean, so I don't have as material as things for, you know, for people when they come in. Uh, personal, just attention. Hey, you know, this Dr. Cam from Strength and Spine, just letting you know, you know, the facility is located here. This is what's going to happen when you come in. If I am working with someone or running a little late, hop a seat. Don't mind the athletes running around. Uh, as well as first thing I do is I kind of prep them for what's going to happen in the visit and then say, okay, I don't care about your injury. I want to know about the human being in front of me. So tell me about yourself. What do you do? Where you're from? What are your hobbies? And then after that, what is your biggest goal for me? And a lot of the times people are thrown off by that. They think we're just going to go straight to the back pain or the knee pain, whatever. And they're like, I've never had anyone ask me that before. And then following up afterward, I'll personally call them or text them the next day, whichever they prefer, and then check in on them in day three. And if I don't hear from them in a bit, depending on their follow-up, I'm very good and adamant about, hey, do you have any questions? Do you, do you want to know anything? How's everything feeling? and consistently just being a human with them. I'm not their friend, but I speak to them in a very friendly manner. Yeah, I'm. let me guess a line you've heard a hundred thousand times now, now that you've done this. Oh, wow, no one ever calls and checks in. Or, oh, wow, I really appreciate the fact you did that. No doctor's ever done that. Yeah. Am I pretty close? Yeah, no, 100%. And then, I'll, you know, I'll get a text before I go to bed at 8 p.m. and someone will ask me something and I have no problem replying to them. Yeah, no, you're going to be fine. You know, your back isn't worse. Just do what we did and I'll talk to you in the morning. So it's awesome. It's not my yeah. personal phone number. It's a Google voice. So, but it still goes directly to my phone. But mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's just the personal attention and just sending a message or making a phone call here and there is just it's, it's unbelievable. I always tell people, like, imagine it, even if you bought a mattress and you spent $1,000, if that person just called three night, three days later and said, hey, just want to check, how's your sleep been? You know, I've been sleeping on the new mattress. You tell everybody to go to that mattress shop and, you know, like, yeah. for no other reason than all, that's all they did was a single phone call. So I think it's fantastic. Um, all right. So I totally dig your social media. Like I, I enjoy watching your videos. There are other people that, you know, are involved in the clinic gym group and everything. And I, I look at their social media, just kind of keep a prize of what they're doing, but yours are actually exciting and fun. And you found a really good voice for yourself on explaining sometimes and why you do stuff. Um, and one of the things I think is your background as a trainer 
and doing big exercise, it just looks so much better on the on the camera, right? Yeah, no, I mean, shout so out what to was my your, uh, camera guy. Yeah, what was your strategy starting out, and and what have you found people really resonate with? Because uh, you're not the ring dinger, you know, you're not a one trick. I don't, I don't think any two videos are the same. So, what have you found uh, that really works to build your practice and your expertise? Uh, one of the biggest things for me personally is the authenticity. And I used to be a group exercise instructor while I was at Florida State and, you know, all the strength conditioning background. So I have no problem speaking or public speaking with that too. And sometimes being in front of the camera, people will break down. Uh, I speak to the camera just as I would the human being in front of me and being authentic. If I slip up or use a little bit of slang or, you know, explain something with a little bit of attitude or I just do the same thing in front of the camera as well. And it's been, uh, you know, of course you get a little better and better, but, I also, and I think Dr. Christie has talked about this before a lot with marketing, people will try and be way too clinical and will speak to their peers rather than speak to their audience, which I think is also very important in being able to provide different analogies and dumbing it down to, to where people who have no idea about their shoulder pain can kind of understand what's going on. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think you bring up a good point. A lot of people seem to be competing with their peers on social media for who gets who can explain something the best and the whole time both of the competitors are broke because they have no patients in their office. It's like, yeah, what's the goal here? Like, who do you think you need to explain it to? Of course. And you know, one of the things with social media too is, you know, I may never be the guy who has a million followers, but mm -hmm. I do have people who are consistently asking me questions who are responding to stuff. And, you know, I see them sharing it on stories saying, they like one and then you get them hooked and then they consistently will share their stuff to others, which is the best thing they can do is word of mouth and refer people. So That's awesome. And so who films them for you? Uh, his name is Sebastian. His Instagram is Babbitt's Visual. And he, he is our content creator in here for uh, Nicole and I. And I put together the reels. So I just go on reels and look for the tutorials and figure out how to do them and they'll have instructions and download the apps and make them look cool and sound cool. So he, his job is to record it. Like, do you know who you're going to film that day? Is he show up at a certain time? Like, how does it work with, cause it's obvious that he's following you around at some point in yeah. the day to film somebody. Are you planning on the, the athlete you're going to treat at that time? Or he just shows up and you're like, well, we'll make a case out of Joe here. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of both. Sometimes it's, look, I got this guy and I definitely want to highlight him or, uh, Hey, you know, uh, I don't really have that busy of a day, but he's going to be in here with, uh, with the trainer anyways. Uh, he just comes in at time slots. Everyone, of course, I ask for the permission, get the signs, the signatures, all of that. And, you know, even the athletes there, it's funny. You would think the athletes would get more shy around the camera, uh, especially in certain settings. But a lot of the times they, uh, like, no, 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 get this on, get this on camera. So, and the biggest thing with me is not just to show off, oh, look, I'm treating this guy as well, but it's, it's, uh, they're humans too. And when they trust someone, they trust someone and no one has ever really had an issue with me having the camera out. Even, even my older patients, they love it. All right. That's awesome. As a subject matter, what have you found, uh, people respond to more like, I'll give you three, the assessment phase of what you do, because that's a big part of what you do. The treatment side, whether that's adjusting, scraping, taping, yeah. cupping, all that stuff, or the exercise side. Uh, so my, probably the biggest reaction I get from everybody would be the, um, after the initial assessment and the, okay, what do you think is going on? get what their expectations are and then tell them exactly what we typically look for, what's going on, showing them the anatomy, making sure that they can repeat back their diagnosis and what the game plan is to me because it really puts them to the test and make sure they're paying attention. Right. So rather than leaving here saying, Oh, he said I had shoulder pain. Oh, Dr. Cam said I had an infraspinata strain and that's why what, what's resulting in this. And he adjusted me, did some hands-on work and gave me some rehab. So they're very, not yeah. impressed by that, but very surprised that I'm making them do work rather than me doing all the work. That's so funny because 
a lot of times we think, oh, they don't want to do work, or they don't want, like people want to be involved in it, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, it's it's like kids and watching cooking. They want to mix the dough as much, you know. They don't know how, yeah. but they're like, if you just pour everything in the bowl, I'll mix it. And and finding that right level is is funny. People completely dig that. So one what, question, uh, oh, sorry, Josh. I was just going to no, say go one ahead. question that I kind of vet the process on is uh, if I give you X, Y, and Z and you tell me the next visit you did not do X, Y, and Z or you will not do X, Y, and Z, we're going to end the visit right here. Or is that clear? Cool. You can do that. Beautiful. Go from there. And it's a little straightforward, but the people who are like, oh, no, I just want to rack and crack and a nice massage, I'll, I'll, I'll tell them on the phone or when they're in here, I don't think this is going to work out. Sticking right. to that kind of, yeah. I want to peep the people that are going to do the work rather than I'm going to do it all. Right. I had an interesting experience in the clinic yesterday. Guy comes in that saw another provider and he's like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I just need, you know, my lumbar adjusted. I was like, right on. We're just going to talk real quick about what's going on and what brings you in. And then we're going to do a quick exam. And I was like, oh, well, I don't want to start from zero. I just need, I'm like, well, we don't do that here. You know, yeah. and, and you're welcome to go back to the other provider or whatever. But, you know, we assess everybody that's in here and we figure out what's going on so that we know. And he was really pushing it. I'm like, listen, dude, there's no way that anybody could tell me, could even give me the subtleties of what you're talking about. You know, there's a lot of different reasons we adjust lumbar spine. And sometimes we don't because of certain reasons. You need to figure out where you're at. It's like, well, just, I, you know, they just lay me on my side. I'm like, and I, I want to give the guy some grace. Like, he doesn't know the the subtleties there of how different things can be. But I think he's definitely overlooking the fact of who proved that you even need lumbar adjustment in the first place. Like maybe it's, you know, we should focus more on your hips or your T-spine or, you know, whatever. And, uh, but shit, man, I got to, I got to check myself because it annoys the hell out of me. Like, I, I, I don't know if it's my ego of not wanting to be told what to do, but, but also like the fun of this whole thing is really the assessment and the treatment, the fun of the treatment is seeing, uh, I did it, now how it does improve. Like, now can we go back and see that other stuff? So This isn't Burger King. Yeah. You can't, you can't uh, pick what you want. Uh, yeah. yeah. I like that. Yeah. Awesome. So for those people that are out there, maybe they're a year away from graduation, Cam. You weren't too, there too long ago. Um, or let's talk to the, the, anybody in chiropractic college, no matter where they're at. Looking back. What were the best things you did and what would you advise other people to avoid maybe some mistakes you made? Uh, well, buckle up. So number one, uh, for me, when I was in school, I tried to do as much as possible. So I personal trained while I was in school, uh, of course, to make money, but also to gain the experience. I did my master's while I was in Cairo school. I was in four different clubs. I try to do as much as I possibly can because I knew that somewhere out there, someone is learning more than me, is smarter than me, is better with their hands or their knowledge than I am. And the more involved I was, the more I learned and the more connections I got and then learned from those people and just kept building from there. So I would say do as much as you possibly can while in school. And I promise you 99% of the people have the time to do that. Um, I, I want to say too, Cam, I, I, you're not saying it explicitly, but one thing I think I've always been impressed with you by, and one of the reasons I think you're, uh, very successful is when you saying that you learn and do, you are very good at applying. A lot of people learn, but don't apply, you know? And so for example, I'm going to guess, you said you're in four clubs. I'm going to guess that those four clubs were the kind where you're putting your hands on people, you're trying stuff, you're doing it. Not the kind of clubs where they sit and have lunch and talk or look at PowerPoint slides or videos, right? Because yeah. that's not where the learning occurs. We just did our live event at Parker University and I multiple times said, this is a learn by doing seminar. This is not a learn by watching. And, yeah. and so you worked with clients as well doing personal training. I think that's a huge thing for students to do because it tells you, for example, how hard it is for some people to initiate or understand movement. I had a 19-year-old kid yesterday assigned cat camels to, cat cow, you know, like flexion extension on all fours. It's a very simple exercise. He could not figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Like every time he went to go show me his mad cat, 
He like leaned way forward on his arms. He was shaking. He fell onto his face one time. I'm like, oh my God, you're 19. You've never, you don't know how to do this. How, like, how is that possible? But I have to honor the fact that that's where he's at. And maybe that's part of, that's probably a large contribution to the, the back pain is the fact that he doesn't understand flexion and extension as a movement, you know? Yeah. And of course, but if, again, your experience of being able to explain all that is huge. And that's where training comes in and help me learn my verbiage and how I emphasize certain things and what I look for as well. And kind of what going off your comment about the actually doing, right? You can read a book about hitting a golf ball or hitting a baseball, but without you actually going out there and doing it, you're never going to learn. And this applies to people who, oh, should I get my CSCS, but have no idea what a snatch is or couldn't do a clean or don't know what a kettlebell is. So you, if you do study that stuff, because you can always learn new things, just make sure you go out there and apply it in some way, shape or form. Even if you're not becoming a trainer, oh, I want to learn more about strength conditioning. Cool. Go do CrossFit. Go to take a powerlifting or get a powerlifting coach. Try and do the stuff that you are going to teach people as well so you have that experience. Yeah, very good point. And I think in school, having that experience with people is huge. Maybe you'd make a little bit of money. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I don't think you got rich off personal training while in school, but no. you made a little bit of money and yeah. you, you didn't waste time. And also the other thing that it teaches you is the basic business principles of like, I got to ask you for more money. I got to have a way for you to pay me. Those things seem so simple when you say them out loud, but how many people like don't are like, Oh, I don't need to, I need to figure out this credit card thing or I need to get, you know, a payment app. It's like, yeah, you do. That's part of business. It's like, nobody assumes you need to take money. And sometimes there are uncomfortable conversations where you, the training's not going where the person wants. And you're like, well, the only solution is more training and more money. Like yeah. learning those conversations. And then I always say like, you also got to learn how crushing it is when somebody misses a session, you're like, I was playing on four sessions a day. One person missed. Essentially, you make no profit for the day. The same thing happens in clinic. No shows are a bear, man. So whatever you yeah, can well, do to not have no shows is big deal. Number one, I used to train from 4 to 7 a.m. while I was in school. And when my 4 a.m. wouldn't show up, man, all I wanted to do was just crawl in bed and cry that I woke up because and this person didn't show. So I got comfortable charging them to protect my time, right? And being a high-end cash practice, same thing, similar with training sessions and being able to ask people for money in return, right? Oh, it's for this training session, it's going to be $75 for the hour. Okay, well, if you're uncomfortable saying that, now, hey, sir, this initial eval is 200 plus an hour. And if you cannot be confident in that, then it's going to be very hard to have a practice. And that's where training has helped me very much because I have no problem looking someone dead in the eyes and saying, okay, this is what it is per hour. It's going to take probably three to four visits and this is how much it's going to cost. So would you like to do that card cash or what? Yeah, I love it. And to, to the, the last thing I'll say about that is like the, um, having those blunt conversation about say, Cameron, you have the hour between two and 3 PM. If you show up at two 15, I'm not giving you an hour. I'm giving you the remaining time to fill three because I can't push that three o'clock person back. That'd be, you know, rude to them. So, cause I've had people, they show up late and then they're like, Oh, well, this is supposed to be a half hour visit. I was like, it was, you're absolutely right. It was. And you showed up yeah. 11 minutes into the 30 minutes, you know, like it's, it's just, there's everybody else's schedule doesn't sync up with yours, homie. Of course. And the yes phase, when you first open an office where you, you say, yes, I'm going to do this or yeah, it's okay. You can come in late. I have nobody, you know, if you don't protect that and stay stern on the rules and you become lenient with that stuff, those patients are going to be, still come late, even when everyone else is becoming, you know, or is coming on time. So as you progress and get bigger, so it's important to, again, really have your rules and what you want and explain that to your patients. So that's a, that's a good point. No early on in business is a luxury and <laughs> you don't always have that luxury, you know? Yeah. I mean, I still struggle with saying no, you know, all these other sporting opportunities I, I get, I, I want to do. And I know I have to work seven days a week sometimes when I do them, but you know, it's one of those things where learning how to say no is, Oh no, I'm not going to stay late or no, I'm not going to come in early for, a new patient unless it's an absolute emergency. 
right? It's a Tuesday night, and I want to go home and, and play with my dog and rest. Right. So speaking of patience, by the way, I'd love to know what have you found over the time you've been open are, uh, and maybe some surprises there, are your best patients financially? So, you, you know, as a young provider, you want to say yes. You want to probably work with, I'm going to guess you worked with some either local athletes or young athletes or even pros, and you worked with them for the exposure, for the inroads, for all that. But you yeah. do also need to charge money and make, make enough to live at this. Where have you found the, the, what are the best patients that do provide that, that pay, that don't argue, that you know, are easiest oh, yeah. to schedule, et cetera? Travel sports. So, again, being in a baseball sports performance facility, a lot of these baseball players, they are doing you know, travel teams and or they're on travel teams throughout the summer. They're whatever AU and they're going to tournaments every other weekend. And I, you know, parents are always saying that how much these travel teams cost. Great. Well, if you want to keep paying or playing in that $10,000 travel team, then you can pay me that $1,000 over those, whatever amount of sessions that I, I said, we're going to need to get your kid playing. But travel baseball and travel volleyball have been some of the two biggest sports um, I know golf and tennis are typically associated with high finances, but football and basketball are probably the lowest so far. Definitely football. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, in our area, we have hockey, and that's another travel thing that if you if your kid's playing hockey, you, yep. you've got to be comfortable parting with thousands of dollars a month. You know, it's just unbelievable what they pay. Yeah, no, I mean, I, uh, I, I get it. All the, these you know, kids playing all of that. And, you know, even with the, the athletes too, asking them for that and, you know, Oh, well, you know, you took a picture with me. So you still gotta, still gotta pay me my man. But definitely, like I said, the, uh, Oh, and then the CrossFit trap that everyone always talks about the CrossFitters are younger people and they don't have the money and all of that. I totally understand that and get that, but you show them the value they'll come to you. Or you just attack the CrossFit gyms with the older people. That's the plan I did. Right. Who, ironically, need more care and need more guidance, right? Like, yeah. 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 It's, it's interesting. Let me ask you this. So when you're working with those travel baseball, you're kind of working with two clients, right? The one you're treating is the athlete, but the one who's paying you is usually the mom or dad or, or someone. How Have you needed to change your messaging to them? Or how do you kind of appeal to both sides and still get paid and still maintain that, you know, are, are the parents looking for preservation and longevity the kids looking for short-term power yeah. and wins? What have you found kind of goes on there? Uh, honestly, I think it's vice versa with some of the kids that I've worked with. It's more of getting the parents to understand that this isn't going to be a one trick pony. They kind of do expect that some of the times, but that's, that is their expectation with most doctors. Oh, we're just going to go see them one time and then have a follow-up and that's going to be it. Well, with conservative management, doesn't always work like that. You're going to have to have some follow-up. The kids themselves, right? I'm very personal. I mean, I also have superhero stuff all over the facility as well and trying to connect with them. So a lot of them are like, yeah, I want to see Dr. Cam. So I've had parents tell me that like, oh, he said his shoulder was hurting and he actually asked, begged me to come in. And so we came in again. So I would say my verbiage more is towards the parents, keeping them healthy and making sure that they don't get hurt. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I would tell everybody listening, make sure you kind of pay attention to, you You, you got a market to get the athlete in, but also who's paying for that person, you know? And I remember yeah. like Eric Cressy wrote a great article or it's probably an article. It was probably some amazing blog that was like 19 pages long and well researched, but because Eric's incredible. But it was all about, how much business he thought he got from agents because of the fact that he just follows up. He always does an evaluation, whether or not he's heard of the player or not, whether or not they're Dominican kids and, you know, double a, or it's uh, someone playing for the Yankees. It, it all starts the same. He treats them all the same. And he actually follows up and calls because that agent may be the one paying and investing the money because they see the potential. And that, you know, again, in baseball, like if you're coming out of the Dominican, there's a high likelihood you can't afford anything. You know, there it's not, of course, of um, course. you know, I have had and, people literally, uh, you know, not, I mean, 
not to say any stereotypes, but I have had people literally, mm-hmm. oh, we just got off the boat two weeks ago, as well as, hey, mm-hmm. we walked all the way from or from Mexico to Florida. Uh, and I couldn't mm-hmm. believe when I heard that. And, hey, okay, this guy is going to be the one handling it. So talk to him. Great. I'll help the athlete out as much as I can. But at the end of the day, if I can't win over that person that is handling everything, then the rest is just volunteer work. So, Yeah, which is great. It is kind, but uh, you can't afford to do that at this point in your career, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, we all love what we do and we would do it for free. That's why we're yeah. passionate about what we do, but there's no way of surviving. Right. And I think, you know, you can think strategically about those things too. If there's a coach that is the coach for 28 of your clients and, and uh, has always been very supportive of you, letting that, having lunch with that person, letting them know like, hey, listen, if, if, if the diamond in the rough comes through and has absolutely no money, here's a golden ticket. You tell me that's the one and yeah. I'll take care of them. Can't do it for everybody, of but course. the one that comes through, if you're that person, I was talking to someone down in San Diego and there's a famous pitching coach down there. And every once in a while, he'll say like, listen, this kid needs to be in the training program. He needs medical care. He has absolutely yeah. no money to afford it. I promise you it will work out. And if not, he always says, in four years, charge me whatever he cost. And to this yeah. day, those four years, uh, there was no issue in paying it back. Absolutely. And I've had situations. Yeah, again, Nicole, she'll come up to me and she'll say, hey, listen, this it's this is one of those times, you know, either I'm going to pay if you don't say uh, he can come to you or not, but he needs something. And yeah, of course I got him because it is those little things. And those people are also probably the most grateful of anything. You know, they're not taking advantage of anything and, you know, they understand their circumstances aren't the best, but the little things that we do for them goes a very, very long way with them. I have, like I said, no problem doing all that stuff too. Nice. Last question regarding like logistics. Um, uh, what have you found time-wise seems to work out best? Like one hour evals, hour and a half or half hour treatments, 15 minute. What do you, what do you try and what, what have you learned is yeah. the best timeline so far for you? Yeah. So I'm on a one hour eval and then half hour returning. Patients have the option to schedule an hour uh, for double the price if they want. Um, mm-hmm. But even sometimes the hour uh, I still feel the experience is rushed because mostly because of the history I'm spending so much time and or not just the history, but the initial aspect of it, emphasizing who they are and talking to them and getting mm-hmm. to know them. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm actually about to probably switch to 75 minutes, 60 being the actual amount of time in which I can get everything done. And then that extra 10 to 15 for, you know, if, notes or any additional things I need to go with them or just talking to them in general, but that's not meant for every office, right? If someone doesn't have uh, uh, an office that they can see people at an hour at, or, you know, they want to see people at 15 minutes. I just found personally an hour and half hour is where I I flow best. Yeah. It's funny with the podcast, dude. uh, uh, I found it takes about 10 to 20 minutes to even get to the point where the person it's a conversation and so yeah. I always say, we'll take about 45 minutes. The last 15 to 20 minutes is really the most, is the best part and the most exciting because people are finally comfortable with each other. Yeah, uh, yeah, And I think it's the same with patient care. Like, yeah, I don't know how you could get away less than half an hour on that initial visit. And yeah. and I've had golf evals that last an hour and a half to two hours with the right person, you know? Oh, yeah. Suiting yeah. them up, letting them swing the golf club, all that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Cam, what a... What, uh, how long have you been in practice now in this setup? Uh, uh, I have had my business for 20 months. 20 months. All right. So you're coming up on your two-year anniversary. Congratulations yes, on all the success. Uh, I love watching you on Instagram. If people have questions and whatnot, young students or people starting on a business or ones that are interested in, in working in a, what do you want to call it? A cohabitating environment where you have the performance yeah. center and the clinic. Uh, do you mind if they reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, reach out to me on Strength Spine Cairo. Uh, I'm a millennial, so I'm always on my phone. I have no problem answering mm-hmm. you. And sometimes I may Yeah, I actually asked late. you to do this podcast on Instagram, right? Yeah, actually. So yeah. it's pretty easy. Yeah. Um, 
And then, yeah, with that, Josh, I mean, the only thing I, I was really wanting to say was that if anyone out there is thinking about opening up a practice or has their goal of being in a similar setting, it's going to take work. It's not all fun and games. But at the end of the day, if you don't absolutely love what you do and you don't have the resources, just keep working hard. Don't ever give up. Stuff will get hard and you'll get there. That's it. That's awesome, man. Well, listen, congratulations on all the success. I really appreciate you uh, being on today and sharing it. Guys, check them out. Strength Spine Cairo. Again, you got to see the baseball jersey. Uh, it's number one clinic attire I've ever seen in my life. Plus the exciting videos of, you know, I'll, I don't remember. You're doing a hamstring rehab with somebody with a, a Swiss ball, and the guy was an absolute giant. I think his legs are about 18 feet long. Yeah. It's just like, I was like, oh, this is like large format filming, right? Like your camera guy had to back up, I think, to capture everything that was going on in that video. But it's exciting. You're doing all the great things, man. And I got to say, from all of us with a DC license, you are maximizing that license to the nth degree. You're making it clear what the value of a, of a well-trained, uh, amazing Cairo with great treatment skills and great knowledge of rehab can do. So... I appreciate, I appreciate it, that. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you because again, as a student, I had no fear of reaching out and watching all your stuff and listening to everything, especially on my commutes to, uh, on the way home from school or wherever. So thank you. Most on your way to a 4am training session. <laughs> yeah. Right. So thank you for all the stuff that you got, you do for not only the DCs out there, but also the students. Cause you know, as well as I do, everyone wants a gym clinic hybrid. So yeah, that's right. And I don't want to correct you, but it's a clinic gym hybrid, man. Clinic gym hybid. hybid. I said that yeah. wrong twice. Sorry, right. uh, sorry. Right. Right. Just, yeah. just cancel the whole podcast. At this point. I know we'll have to re re-record this whole thing now, nah, but you're doing it right, man, and I certainly appreciate it. So, on behalf of uh, Cameron, this is Dr. Josh Satterley saying, "Go out there, maximize your license like Cam has done, and live the life you dream of." Thanks so much, Cam. Of course, sir. Thanks a lot for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're looking for more information about me, about us, about our programs, then just head to clinicgymhybrid.com. Again, that's clinicgymhybrid.com. You can check us out there. We've got our accelerator program and a few other programs that will help you get up and running as quickly as possible and making more money while providing excellent active therapy to your patients.